we do now? Seriously, I'm not kidding. Go back and watch any movie, and you will see this line over and over again. You're going to see it now. I'm telling you. My daughter watched a movie last weekend. She goes, Mom, I heard that line. And I love to ask questions, but it's my most hated question. And I dread reading scripts that have no women involved in their creation because inevitably I get to that part where the girl turns to the guy and she goes, what do we do now? Now, do you know any woman in any crisis situation who has... (laughs) Any woman in any crisis who has absolutely no idea what to do? I mean, don't they tell women, they tell people in crisis, little children, that if you're in trouble, talk to a woman. Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. My name's Haley Shepherds, and I'm the pastoral intern here. I'm so excited to welcome you on this Mother's Day. So for those of you who are mothers, whether that's adoptive, foster mothers, biological, or maybe you're an aspiring mother, uh, we want to give praise for you. So can we just give a round of applause to the women in our life, the mothers? And we also want to remember and give God praise and thanks for the mothers that aren't with us here today, Um, whether they have passed away or whether they just couldn't be with us here today. uh, It's a great time to remember our mothers. Uh, Mothers are great gifts that God has given us. And so I would like to name that I am not a mother. I'm just going to put that out there right now. I'm not there yet. Uh, But I am one of my mother's biggest fans. You'll see her on the next screen here. She is actually in Texas right now, uh, so you won't see her. But you can go to the next screen there and you'll see her. There's me in the middle, my mom on the right, and my sister on the left. Can you tell we're related? (laughs) We all look the same. Uh, But she's incredible. Uh, I'm a big fan of hers. I was not a perfect child. I had a lot of teen angst, and she stuck it out. So mothers know it gets better. Uh, My sister and I fought like crazy, and now we're best friends, so there's hope. Uh, But she is one of the most generous people I have ever met. And what you saw there with Reese Witherspoon, she was giving uh, a speech to the Women of the Year Award that she had received. And I think she named something very important, that mothers are the people we go to when we don't know what to do. That's who I ask as my mother when I get to that roadblock, when I need help, when I need direction or advice. And so Reese Witherspoon wanted to do something about it. She started her own production company where she got to choose the scripts, where the women weren't always the damsel in distress. And I think it's really important that we think about that. Because I I look at my mother and I see all the pressure that that she's under to be that reliable person for me, to keep me safe. It's an impossible task, it seems like, to be a mother, but mothers always seem so strong. That can weigh on you to be the person that always gets turned to for help and to always have an answer, a solution, a fix to the problem. And so like many of you, uh, my mother is the first person I turned to in crisis. Uh, She uh, was the person who um, dealt with my father, who unfortunately was the person who oftentimes put us in crisis situations. I love the guy, uh, but I mean, I've been thrown off four-wheelers, I've been thrown off jet skis, my sister was thrown out of a a go-kart. Like, we've just had some instances where we've experienced crisis. And the mom is the first person to show up on the scene and say, here's what we're going to do. If you forgot your textbooks at home, mom has a plan. She's known in our family for saying, here's what we're going to do. 
And she does that with her hands too. Here's what we're going to do. I have a plan, I will fix this problem. You need to get from basketball practice in, in Adel, Iowa to volleyball practice in West Des Moines in 36 minutes. Here's what we're gonna do, I'm gonna make it happen. What about moms who when you come to and say, I know you're scared, but here's what we're going to do. And I know not everyone has the same experience that I do with my mother, but maybe you have someone else in your life who you can turn to. Maybe you are that person who everyone seems to turn to when they hit a roadblock and they don't know what to do next. If my mother ever said, oh no, what are we gonna do? I would know that that's time to panic. <laughs> Women for so long uh, have had to feel this pressure of being that reliable person. And I realized as I got older, I never really asked my mom the questions. She never really opened up to me about those times where maybe she didn't feel safe or maybe she felt hopeless or lost. Mothers protect you. And I know that's not everyone's experience, but who do you turn to for those right answers? My mother um, grew up very, very poor. And so I know from her experiences, now that I've gotten a little bit older, she's been sharing with me more and more of the times that she felt hopeless, lost, um, and needed help. My mother uh, didn't have a lot of money growing up, so she worked at an early age. She started at eight years old cleaning toilets. And then in high school, she worked in a mechanic shop. Uh, and then she put herself through college. She worked at a meatpacking plant, and she put sticker decals on jet skis at a Kawasaki uh, plant as well. So she's really worked hard to get where she is today and to create a safe space for my sister and I. Because that's what mothers do. Even when they don't feel safe, they want to create safety for the people in their life. Now, my mother uh, has always pursued education and wanted that for, for her girls. And I'm really proud to say that my mother went on uh, to work for State Farm, and she got promotion after promotion. And she actually recently, a couple years ago, she got her master's degree. And so I'm really, really proud of her and the journey that she's come on. And with all this knowledge that she's gained, all this leadership experience, I turn to her a lot in my ministry and ask, hey, I'm hitting a roadblock. I don't know what to do next. So here's some of the advice she gives me. She no longer tells me, hey, I have a solution for you. She says, I've lived this. Here's what I've learned. Here's some of her advice on the screen. She said, she said to me, and these are all just within the past month, <laughs> just to preface. Uh, she said this to me, lack of humility makes you a fighter. Increased humility makes you a friend. Don't bring others down, bring them with. You can be right, and I like to be right, or you can be happy and you can let it go. Just because you can do anything doesn't mean you can do everything. You can try to improve people or you can empower them. You can build walls or you can bulletproof yourself with God's truth. And so when I'm asking her about leadership and what she's learned, I get this great advice. But what I notice about what my mother shares with me is it points me to a bigger truth, God's truth. My mother's never been the woman to preach or t teach scripture at me. I don't think she's ever even told me a Bible verse in our conversations ever in my life. And that's okay. That's just not how she rolls. I see Jesus in the way she communicates. I see Jesus in the way she leads and I see Jesus in the way she loves. She is a witness for me in my life. And, and this last piece of advice she gave me 
I take it to heart every time I'm doing anything in ministry. She says, make complex things simple so that people don't get frustrated or feel like they can't be a part of it. This faith thing, it's about inclusivity. And now we see that Paul, in our Bible reading, is attempting to do the same. Oh, we make faith so complex. We see in our, this next verse on the screen here that Paul says this to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than lo- using clever, persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Human advice can be great, but wisdom, that's something in itself. It's powered by God, and it's offered for us to experience. It's easy to make human wisdom our God. There's enough self-help books, there's enough resources for you to better yourself. But what is true wisdom? It points to who God is and who we are in Christ. And Paul, an apostle, a teacher, is on a mission to make this complex, crazy faith seem simple so that everyone can embrace it and be a part of it and experience God's love and grace. So Paul is on this mission. We see that he has written this letter to the Corinthians. We learn in 1 Corinthians that this is a letter from Paul chosen to be an apostle of Christ. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth. You have been called by God to be his own holy people. We learned a lot about last week that we are all children of God. We see here that we are holy people. And in last week's sermon, we learned that we are a royal priesthood. God has called you his own. And Paul acts like a parent figure to this church. He helped build this church. And sometimes when new families are getting started, you just start figuring things out. Whether you've been married for a couple years or a lifetime, you know that just problems come up when you're dealing with family. And so Paul acts like this parent figure and gives advice. But his advice points to true wisdom. Paul can't help but be concerned Uh, For this church, they're experiencing a lot of issues with idolatry. So they're putting other things before God. The Corinthians are people who are divided because of their worship practices. And in chapter 14, right before our Bible reading, we see this crisis. They're asking Paul, what do we do as a church family when our brothers and sisters are speaking in tongues and they have no idea what they're saying? Now, tongues is this, it's either two things. It's either speaking a foreign language that you didn't know how to speak because of God's spirit, or it's speaking in a heavenly language that needs to be discerned and interpreted, and we can make it this big, scary thing, Uh, but really it's simple. It's God's spirit working within us. But there's this problem. This church doesn't have any interpreters, so what they're saying is all really just gibberish. They're making faith complex. So Paul says this, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but if I don't understand what I'm saying, well then, What shall I do? Paul's asking the same question. What do we do when we don't know what to do? And Paul speaks from experience in this next verse. He says this, I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in words I understand. We're gonna make this complex thing seem simple for people. Because when it's simple, when it's all about love, 
that's when we can share it. It becomes less intimidating and exclusive, and it becomes inclusive. And so now Paul is talking as a parent to the church about the experience doesn't have to be extravagant. Sometimes we make sharing our faith this big, scary thing, when sometimes it's as simple as sharing what God's done in our life, as simple as inviting someone to church. I remember the first time I invited someone to church, I was seven years old, and I told them, I know, I know a place that's got some good donut holes. See you Sunday morning at you know, nine o'clock. I'll be there, come join me. It can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be fancy, but functional. Paul says this, what this faith is all about. It's not being extravagant, but at its foundation, it's about how we can function in a relationship with Christ. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. One of my favorite preachers that I've ever uh, met in my entire life, his name's Bill Bernard. He preaches at St. James Church in Johnston. If you've been there, he's awesome. Uh, I grew up with him as our head pastor in Adel, Iowa, and he would gather all the children for these children's sermons, and they were the absolute best. He would gather all the children around him, but before he even said anything, he would tell them, boys and girls, children, what I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, I'm going to key you in. The answer is always Jesus. And so then he would go ahead and ask them questions. Like, who saved, do you know who saved you? And the whole, all the children would scream, Jesus, there you go. Who rose from the dead? Jesus. Jesus. Who offers us forgiveness? And then he would throw something in there like, who's your favorite college football team? (laughs) Just to throw them off. But it's that simple. It's all rooted in our relationship with Christ. The way we love, it's inclusive. The Corinthians are trying to make faith complicated and they're dividing themselves between two camps. Over here are the people who have the good Christian conduct, that are doing things right. And then there's the people over here who are misusing church practices, these sinners. And so we see this division, the right versus wrong, the good versus evil. It sounds a lot like we're experiencing today. Do you feel like you're pretty far in one camp or the other? I have this green line on the stage here, and it's so easy for us to, in our life, put ourselves on this line. Are we more on the sinner side? Are we more down here? Have we messed things up? Caused problems for people in our life? We haven't been reliable? Done things that you regret? Or do you find yourself moving this way, trying to achieve and be the person that can achieve this forgiveness, achieve this love? So oftentimes we put ourselves on the line and then we put other people next to us and we compare ourselves to see where we're at. When we make faith this comparison game, we miss out a lot on family, about being together. And it causes a lot of problems with how the church functions when people compare themselves. So Paul is actually passing this information on to the Corinthians. He's saying, You're living like this, but I want to show you a new way that's been passed down from me. I passed on to you what was most important, what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. 
He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. Word of mouth is powerful. Word of mouth can help us either, it can be a benefit, but it can also be dangerous. We find, okay, what is that person doing? They've graduated from college, now they're getting their doctorate degree. They're here, I'm here. We do it in education, we do it with our accolades, the things we achieve. We do it with even personalities. But Paul is saying there's a different way. He wants to share this word of mouth. Even when we're in a pandemic, things are still getting passed on. How many of you downloaded the the app TikTok in the pandemic? Did anyone? I hope there's one. There's like a couple. Who's going to admit it? I'm thankful for you. So TikTok is this app where you're able to share basically dancing videos. You can share advice. You can gain insight into people's lives. But it's also a little bit uh, dangerous for me because I got stuck on the life hacks. There's all these videos on how you can find hacks to life. You can find the things that have been difficult in your life, the things that are hard to do, like cleaning a toilet. There's life hacks to make it a little bit easier. I called my mom to ask her why she had never told me that you can actually pop off your toilet seat to clean it. It changed my life. And if you guys haven't seen that yet, please give it a try. But those things come off and you can clean them right up, super easy. And so there's all these ways that we're able to communicate and pass on from other families and other cultures, new ways of being and new ways of doing things. And Paul is saying here that even (laughs) during the pandemic and even in this time here, we can take what's been passed on for us, down for, for us, and we can make it the ultimate wisdom, the ultimate way of being. And in the pandemic, I also got stuck on a different side of TikTok. Because of my gender and age, I got stuck on the mother TikTok. So it was mothers who were new and mothers who had been mothers for a while were giving each other advice on the right way to be a mother. I had no idea there's so many ways to go wrong. Whether that's bottle fed versus breastfed, whether that's the epidural versus natural birth. I learned so much about sleeping schedules for your babies. How do you choose? There's so many different cribs that you can get that are the safest. And then there's the strollers that you really have to watch out for. I mean, there's so many ways we can get caught up in this back and forth of how to do things the right way. Then that will make you a better mother. That'll make you a better brother, sister, husband, wife, you name it. We get stuck on this line. It can change our mentality from taking this advice and making it what we place our value in, how we see ourselves amongst those in the world and in our own life. And don't get me wrong, my mother is incredible. I will take her advice to heart, but she isn't a miracle worker. The only miracle worker I know is Christ. These life hacks and motherly advice, it can help in the moment, but it can't save you forever. What saves me is love that's beyond her. It doesn't come from her, but it comes from Christ. We learn this next verse here. Paul shows us where true wisdom comes from. It says this in 1 Corinthians 1.30. So you can go back a slide. God has united us with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. That is the only place we can be. Not on this line, but with Christ. What's interesting is this word wisdom in the Greek, it's Sophia. It means a lot of things. It means uh, insight, skills, 
intelligence. It's what helps us function. That's wisdom. That's Christ. But it's also feminine. A lot of times wisdom in the Greek is masculine, but here it's feminine. I think that we see that this Christ figure, this personal savior, also has compassion like a mother. I think it's important to remember that. So what happens when you come to a point when you don't know what to do? You can look to Christ. And Paul answers this about wisdom. It's wisdom that lives in our hearts and helps us function, not only in our families, but in our faith community and in the world. And so we read this. Paul wants to remind the Corinthians. Now let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you stand firm in it, for this is the good news that saves you. This news that Christ died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. That's good news. There's a fancy church word we use for good news, and it's gospel. It's everything Christ was, is, and accomplished, and will do in the future. It's for us, and it saves us. It saves us from this line of life that we get so trapped on. And we can stand firm on it, instead of balancing on a line that's not where we're supposed to live our lives and not where we're supposed to put our worth. And so, this good news that Christ has died for you has transformed you into a new being so you don't have to live here. Sometimes it's hard to believe. Sometimes we're so stuck on this side that we're not worthy. That's too far away. That's too good. I'm comfortable right here. But God teaches us this good good news is transformative. I like to think of transformation transformation not as a one-time event. We think about house flips. The house was bad and now it's good. That's not what faith is. That's not what this good news is. It's a constant house renovation. Jesus is the the carpenter that's going to come in and continue to make us new. It keeps going. And after Jesus died and rose to the dead, he showed up to a couple people. More than a couple. 500 and a couple others. And we learn that Paul doesn't see himself even worthy to be one of those people that God shows up to. We see that he was seen, Jesus, by Peter the 12, more than 500, James, and then me, Paul, in 1 Corinthians. Last of all, I thought I had been born at the wrong time, but I also saw him. For I'm the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Paul was there for the church of Corinth after Jesus' ascension. So after Jesus died and rose to the dead, he showed up to a bunch of people. Peter was one of his closest companions. Then the 12 disciples, then more than 500 people who had followed Jesus. And then James, his half-brother. And then Paul's wondering, how in the world did I get, (laughs) get set up in this mix? Paul was actually a Jewish man a leader who was actually persecuting and killing Christians. So Paul felt that he was as far this side of things that he could possibly get. I'm not even worthy. And yet, Jesus comes. Jesus sends a man to come pray over Paul and open his eyes with God's spirit. And that man (laughs) tells him, no way. I know who Paul is. Absolutely not. But Jesus persists. 
I wonder how many people God is chasing you with in your life. So he wants you to see who he is and what he can do for you. Paul experienced this transformation and one he never went back on. He was a new person. And God said, you are worth it. When we live in the right versus wrong, the saints versus the sinners, who you are maybe like Paul is versus who you want to be, we miss out on the point. It's Christ. And we get to celebrate this good news that's offered to us, even if we feel unworthy. You hear it all the time in interviews. It's the worst thing I hear in interviews. You just aren't a good fit. You are always a good fit for this good news, for this gospel. And you get to share it. The gift of grace says you are the right fit. Paul says this, it's by the grace of God. I am what I am. (laughs) Paul knows where he is on the line and he says it's okay. I know where my true identity lies. I know who I am because I know who God says I am. I am a child of God. I am worthy and I am loved and his grace towards me has not been in vain. Paul's mission is to be a witness, to bear this love, this identity he has been given with the world around him. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, he says, though it was not but by the grace of God that is with me. So Paul's saying, yeah, I worked hard, but that doesn't matter. It's by the grace of God that I'm here and that I'm with you. It's God's favor and God's mercy poured upon me. It's God's compassion. Compassion is different than pity or sympathy or empathy. Compassion means God's going to show up and do something about it. And that's the resurrection. It's the news that changes our lives. It's the news that gives us hope. We see here in our next slide that sometimes we're going to feel weak like Paul. We're going to be tempted to say that God's love comes from us. Or we can think that maybe we can just do it on our own. Take the advice of the world. Make some progress. But God shows off in our weakness. And so everyone who considers themselves weak at some point in their lives, anyone who asks the question, what am I going to do now? God wants to impart wisdom. Look at my son. Look at what I've done for you. That love is for you. It's this grace and forgiveness that shows off in our lives. And Paul says this, each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness. So the power of Christ can work through me. That is being a witness. It's a love that knows no limits. It's one that we can boast about. We boast about God's love. It means it's a cup that overflows from us. And this love brings life and truth into our lives, and we can share that with the people around us. Paul talks about what this love is and what this love looks like and why this love that God offers is different than anything we can offer. So I want to invite you to close your eyes, to take a couple deep breaths. I'm going to read to you what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. 
It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. And we read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Now go ahead and open your eyes. That line that we've been living on no longer exists when we accept this gift of grace. Instead, that white and the red that you saw, they're slung to the cross. And we get to experience God's love. The love that I just described to you. And we just get to remain. Like Paul says, I am who I am. I'm going to let God do the heavy lifting and transform me. I'm going to let this love that God offers to me, and I'm going to give it to someone else. Because I have enough. We are both saint and sinner. We come to this place where we get to become saints. Our sin, that red, that's on the cross, permanently, forever, the sin you committed yesterday and the sin you're going to commit tomorrow, it's on that cross. (laughs) And it's mixed with Jesus Christ's perfection so that we could have love. That line is no longer a line. It's now an arch. The sin is buried beneath the cross. At the foot of the cross, that's where we meet, right in the middle. We can have hope that we will get to experience eternal life. But eternal life is great for someday. But today we get to experience that love in its fullness. And we get to be witnesses and we get to share it through our experiences and through our own lives and through our love. We can invite people to experience it themselves. We get to bless others' lives with this blessing that we've been given. There's this blessing that we read in scripture and I want to bless it over you today. So hear this. May the Lord bless you and keep you Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. This is for you. Let's worship. Let's stand. Let's receive this blessing.